Well, did you have a good 4th of July as we celebrate America? For the three of you that did, I did too. My, uh, my grandson had a great 4th. This was his first 4th of July. And he's having flag wars with, uh, with another little American patriot. But what I think he liked most was the popsicle. He is finally graduating to real food, and he's got a red, white, and blue popsicle celebrating the 4th of July. I want to read, read something to you as we start a new series today. It's an article by Eric Metaxas. It's a picture they'll show you of the beach of Normandy. It's D-Day in World War II. Historians agree that the, as the Allies brought together the greatest naval armada, hundreds of thousands of people making an assault on the beaches of France to push back the Germans. It was a pivotal day in the history of the world. It's because of this day, the national language, if I can use the word of the world language, the most popular language is English instead of German. It happened because of what happened on that day. Listen to the article. It's Eric Metaxas, uh, one of my favorite authors, but he writes about the spiritual battle on D-Day, June 6, 1944. He writes, A tense and tired world is awaiting word of an allied invasion of Western Europe, crushed for years under the jackboots of the Nazi war machine. In the early morning hours of June 6, the news flashes over American radios. The greatest amphibious invasion in history has begun on the beaches of Normandy, France. As paratroopers leap from their planes and landing crafts speed toward the coast, listen now, another great battle is being waged at home. A prayer battle. A prayer battle imploring God for victory over the dark forces of fascism. So as the word of the assault trickled out, Americans began to pray. Stores closed. Prayer services were swiftly organized in small towns and big cities. One picture shows a sign in the window of a store that read, Sorry, we're closed today. We are praying for the success of the invasion. A sign in front of a church reads, Come in and pray for allied victory. Hourly intercessions are intercessions on the hour. The New York City mayor, imagine now, (laughs) New York City mayor took to the airwaves urging citizens to send forth their prayers to Almighty God to bring total victory in this great and valiant struggle. President Roosevelt urged Americans to join him in prayer for all the nation's sons. With thy blessing, he prayed, we will prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. And by heaven, they did prevail. He shifts now. He says, today I can't help wondering how much did the prayers of their loved ones back home have to do with this great victory? A war correspondent, Ernie Pyle, arrived in Normandy, the beach of Normandy, on June 7th, the day after. And he observed that the Allies achieved victory. And listen, the enemy had every advantage and we had every disadvantage. But now that it's all over, Pyle finished, it seems to me a pure miracle that we ever took the beach at all. And he closes, yes, it was a miracle, a miracle backed up by millions upon millions of believers assaulting the gates of heaven with prayer. People prayed to God during the greatest battle of World War II, and God answered their prayers. Freedom triumphed around the world, and Hitler's Germany began the path of defeat. Prayer unleashed spiritual power. Let me say it again. Prayer unleashed spiritual power. Well, I'm beginning a new series today about prayer. It's called Call to Fall. 
fall signifying the fact that we bow our knee in prayer to God. But it is a prayer, a, a series that hopefully will not just educate you. We'll talk about what the Bible has to say at prayer. Prayer in its most basic sense is talking to God. Uh, prayer includes asking for him meeting our needs, advancing his kingdom. Uh, we, it, prayer has thanksgiving. Prayer has the greatest pathway to intimacy with God. I want to teach you what the Bible says, but I also want to, I'll teach you differently than I was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, if I taught you about prayer, I would give you a formula with scriptures, A, B, C, D, and uh, uh, if you did it exactly that way, you'd get the result you desired. But I have learned over the years a great truth that no matter how hard I pray sometimes, no matter how deliberately or consistently or desperately I pray, sometimes prayers are not answered. And that's a dilemma. Because when that very thing happened in my life, I had a spiritual crisis and I turned off God for several weeks. I felt that God didn't care. I felt that God wasn't listening and what it did. It's like, let I me mean, know when you have helium balloons. Let's say you bring a helium balloon into the church today and uh, your kid's birthday and we celebrate and all of a sudden the two-year-old lets go and it goes to the ceiling. Well, guess what? Sooner, a couple days that helium is going to, whatever happens chemically, that helium is going to come to the earth. And that's what happens to many lives of believers. When prayers are answered, we're excited, we want to pray some more. But when our balloon comes down to earth, we lose the passion of prayer. But yet there is no more uh, deliberate and consistent discipline in the Bible taught to believing people than to pray. So we want to kind of take this apart, and I really have two intents. Number one is I don't want to just teach you about prayer. I want you to pray. I'm going to challenge you starting today that every day of your life you set aside a time, a few minutes, that you pray to God. Uh, all of I guarantee you, everybody here prays to God when, the, when trouble's coming. Guarantee, guarantee. But when trouble's not there, when we're healthy, we've got a little money in our pocket, th there's not the same pressure. I want to move beyond just praying when there's need and pressure to making prayer a way of life. Not because I have to, but the delight of because I want to. I want to teach you how to do that. Next week, very specifically, I'll teach you how to pray, whether you have five minutes or whether you have 15 minutes or an hour. But I also want to engage as a congregation in prayer. Uh, today, at the end of the service, we'll do like we did last week. We'll kneel on our knees for a few minutes and pray for families. Uh, second thing we're going to do, and Pastor Travis mentioned this, but this Wednesday night, you know, we have Wednesday night church here. It's a great, great time. But this Wednesday, rather than meeting at the church and having a service here, we're going to gather here 6.30 and sometime shortly before 7, we're going to disperse out across the city. Uh, we're going to have prearranged places for you to go. All you'll have to do is pick a direction. Say, I want to pray north. I want to pray east. I want to pray south or west. We'll give you a half a dozen places to go there. You may show up on the parking lot of Pleasant Grove High School. Uh, you may show up on the middle school of Texas Middle School, but you'll gather. And what I'll encourage you to do is come hopefully with a friend because I don't want you to just go and pray by yourself. I want you to bring some of your friends, fill your car up, and if you don't know somebody, say, hey, come on, get in. We're going to go and we're going to pray together, and then we'll come back to the church at 8 o'clock and have some dessert and celebrate. But that's what we're doing. It's about prayer. And uh, today I want to talk about kind of the basics of prayer. I'm going to paint some very broad brush strokes. We'll go very broad, but not real deep on any of them, and we'll go deeper in the future. But I basically call this the, uh, let's see, where's my title? The, the, the who, where, when, and whys of prayer. Uh, I'm going to teach you uh, who do we pray to, where do we pray, when do we pray, and why do we pray. So let's begin. The first one, who do we pray to? And you say, oh, pastor, very, very simple. Not always true. 
There's lots of folks, let me show you some pictures here, that don't know who to pray to. Here's some folks praying, uh, uh, obviously a spiritual leader, he is receiving their prayers. Uh, how many know we don't need a man to pray to? You don't have to pray through your pastor. I will pray with you, but you don't need anyone to represent you on behalf of God. Here's some poor people in deception. They're praying to idols. There could be idols of their ancestors. It could be pictures of gods in a polytheistic culture. But they're in church, just like we're in church. And rather than having a screen up here with whatever we've got on it, they've got idols that they picture to be gods. Here's another one, and this is huge in the world, the second largest religion in the world, the Muslims. Muslims pray, Muslims pray much more than Christians. Wow. They pray multiple times a day. They turn and they face Mecca. Uh, they're not praying to the same God you're praying to. They are monotheistic, but they are not praying to the same God. They don't believe Jesus was very God. They believe Jesus was a prophet, like Muhammad was a prophet. Uh, but they're praying. Uh, one more here. Uh, check out this gal. She's in the woods. She's a nature girl. I don't know if she's praying to the tree of the rock or her belly button, but she is... She, she, <laughs> She is, she is trying to tune in. Now, you may de-stress when you tune in, but there's not much inside there. Come on now, that's God. God is not in, in, inside you. Uh, but people are praying to lots of things. Jesus made it very clear who to pray to. As he taught us about the Lord's Prayer in both Luke and Matthew, the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said this, pray to our Father in heaven. Now, the word God, the Greek word theos, representing divinity, the word God is, it, it, it's certainly a powerful connotation, but it is very impersonal. We're praying to God as we understand him as father. If you have a bad, if you had a bad experience as a, as a dad, with a dad or a father growing up, imagine what you always dreamed a dad would be. And your heavenly father wants to be this kind of father to you. He is the true God, the one God. He is the creator of the world, the sustainer of all things. He is the one that causes the atom to be held together. The electrons and protons and neutrons don't go crazy. He is the force. Jesus himself said he holds all things together. Uh, he is the creator of the world, all-powerful and all-knowing. But listen now, first and foremost, he is your heavenly father. Now, how many know we live in a broken and an evil world, and because of the brokenness of sin, Daddy doesn't always fix everything? I can remember asking my dad to do things growing up, or my kids asking me, and I just simply said, Honey, I can't do that. Daddy doesn't have the money. Daddy is not able. Daddy cannot make them put you on the cheer team. Daddy cannot make them let you play third base. Daddy cannot give you the arm of a pitcher to throw at 100 miles an hour. As a biological dad, I'm limited. But your heavenly father, his limitations are not... He, he doesn't have limitations, but if he doesn't do some things, it has to be attached because there is evil in this world. Come on now. That choices are made. When Adam uh, was told by God that the day you eat of this fruit, you're going to die... Forces were released in the earth. We'll talk about this in, in, in prayer as we go. But our prayer is to our Father in heaven, and who we're praying to makes a difference. Now, where do we pray? Uh, I, I contemplated writing a rap on this, and I didn't. But if I could, it would be where do we pray anywhere, everywhere, especially in our prayer closet. Anywhere, everywhere, especially in our prayer closet. 
You say, oh, I knew that too. See, I know you know all these things. The problem is we're just not doing what we know. But let me remind you. What do I mean? We can pray anywhere. Well, Jesus prayed on a mountain. He prayed in a garden. He prayed in desolate places, public places. He prayed in the temple. Early Christians followed the example. They prayed in the temple. They prayed in homes. They prayed in secret rooms. They prayed in jail. They even went to play, pray by a river. Now, the Egyptians, when they would go to the Nile River to pray, they worshiped the river as a god. But the Christians went to the river to pray to the one true God. They just happened to be at the river. Listen, Acts 16, a Sabbath day, they went outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. Uh, any fishermen in the room today? Fisherwomen? Yeah, people like to fish. Well, lots of people go to Wright Patman and uh, they want to catch those striped bass, I guess, coming out of the spillway or whatever they're catching out of the spillway. And you go down there sometimes, and I mean, it's just filled with people that are fishing. Well, they go with, for one purpose, to that river. They're going because they want to catch some fish for dinner. Uh, well, guess what? These Christians were going to the river, and their purpose was not to fish, but their purpose was to seek God. So there are places whether it's a church altar that's dedicated to pray, or like this Wednesday night, we're going to go to parking lots around the city and pray. We're going to do these things. But some of the most powerfully answered prayers were in public, and I want to contrast to the private. Let's think just a minute about public prayer and about private prayer. And this this scripture, Acts chapter 4, it probably sets the tone and expectation for this series. And if I could illustrate prayer to you this way, has anyone uh, ever gotten a vehicle or a tractor stuck in the mud? Yeah, you got to get a tractor or a big four-wheel truck or a wrecker to come and pull you out. Well, what do they have? They have a chain. I was raised on a farm, and uh, we're always getting stuck on the farm. Uh, and the problem wasn't getting stuck. The problem is once you were stuck, if you just kept spinning the tires, that's when Dad got mad because you got stuck more. But if you can imagine, the big tractor comes up. They hook a chain to the little tractor, a chain to the big one, put it in gear, and out it goes out of the mud. What would happen if a link was missing in that chain? You could hook it up to the little tractor, hook it up to the big tractor. The big tractor says, put her in gear. Nothing happens because a link is missing. Prayer is the link between the all-powerful God and the needs that are here on earth. And this is why our job to pray. And what I want you to see, prayer unleashes spiritual power, just like it did on D-Day. Let me read you this scripture in Acts 4. It's a pivotal time. It's early in the life of the church. It's after the day of Pentecost. Peter and John had healed a crippled man by the power of God. The Jews were angry and they wanted to kill him. So here's what happened. As soon as Peter and John were freed and let go, they went to the other believers and told them what had happened. Verse 24, they heard the report. All the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. In other words, they didn't have one microphone with one man praying and everybody else listening. (laughs) They were all letting it rumble. And God was not threatened by that. Now, verse, verse 29, here was what they specifically prayed. Lord, hear their threats. Give us your servants great boldness to preach your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power and let miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Prayer connected to spiritual power. And look at verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it sounds to me like they had the link in the chain on that one, huh? That heaven was coming down to earth. But let's shift just a second from praying publicly, but private prayer. Um, 
Jesus referred to what was called a prayer closet, implying, implying private and personal. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus said, When you pray, not if, but when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly. They wanted to be seen by people. But now look at verse 6. When you pray, say this with me, go away by yourself. Go by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. What does that mean? A prayer closet. Again, as I said, everyone in this room, including me, prays to God when you're in trouble. It is not hard to do. But I have to have a measure of maturity and discipline to pray when I'm not in trouble. And this is what the prayer closet is for. If you want to revolutionize your spiritual life, I can suggest two things to you. One is I would suggest going on a short-term mission trip to the third world and see the passion of the believers. The second thing I would say, find a place every day to get alone with God. Bring your Bible and take some time to pray. And if you hit the snooze too many times, turn the radio off in the car and pray in the car as you go to work. But take some time every day to pray with God. This is not just a series to talk to you about prayer. This is a series to get you on the field. You get out of the stands, get off the bench, and on the field to pray because the links of that chain need to be brought together. So that's the, the, the who to pray and where to pray. Let's get, look at the, uh, another one. When do we pray? When do we pray? Now, I wish I was rapping again. Anytime, all the time, and during your quiet time. I can, not, I can do better than that. I, I, somebody help me on this one. When do we pray? Ooh, ooh. Praise the Lord, I can pray anytime. Praise the Lord, I can pray all the time. I can pray in my quiet time. I can pray in my quiet time. Praise the Lord, I can pray anytime. Praise the Lord, I can pray all the time. I can pray, I can pray anytime. I can pray all the time. I got moves. Anytime, all the time, and quiet time. Point at your neighbor and say, anytime, come on now, anytime, all the time, and your quiet time. And I know many of you are thinking, I knew that too. Well, why aren't you doing it? Uh, 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 let me, let me, let me, I think I can surprise you on a couple of things here. Anytime the need arises. Pivotal time in Israel's history, the book of Nehemiah, you know the story. Israel has been... Uh, uh, pillaged, taken away from their homeland because of their sin. They're in the pagan territory. Seventy years now, God promised, they went back and rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem, the same temple that was there when Jesus came on the earth the first time. But a problem happened is the people backslid and they never finished it. Have you ever seen a building that got started and didn't get finished? A building that had, you know, bird, bird poop everywhere and bird nests and wasps, it just wasn't finished. Well, that's what Jerusalem, the homeland, was like, and Nehemiah knew that. Nehemiah was a government official, the king was a dictator, and Nehemiah worked as the king's cupbearer, which simply means he had a great job, but he needed to keep his mouth shut, and he always needed to smile. Well, his heart is heavy burdened, and notice the scripture, uh, Nehemiah 2, the king saw that he was sad, and the king said to me, what is it you want me to do? And then what's it say? Stop there. The king said, what do you want me to do? And then I prayed. If, if the king is here, it doesn't say, wait just a minute, king. Got to go to my prayer closet. No, it didn't say that. It didn't say, wait just a minute, king. No. Inside, in his mind, in his spirit, he had a consciousness of God, and he prayed right then. 
wouldn't, it, wouldn't we have a better life if you get a phone call from somebody that wants to, let's say you're selling your house and you're getting a call from the realtor because we don't know if it's going to go through or not. Wouldn't it be better at that moment not to cross your fingers but to say, Lord Jesus, would you help me with this call? Wouldn't it be good if you knew your boss was mad, come on now, and he was looking to point the finger at someone, you hear him walking down your hall rather than, you know what, knocking on wood. Wouldn't it be better to say, Jesus, please God, my conversation right now. Wouldn't it be better if road rage happens and somebody gets out of the car calling you a this and a that and a you know all that kind of stuff. Come, wouldn't it be better at that point, rather than looking for something to fight with, wouldn't the first thing be better to do is say, Jesus, would you help defuse this situation? Amen. I'm telling you, you can pray as the need arises. You can pray as the need arises, but I would suggest to you that that only works if you're, if you're in sync to pray all the time. Because... What I do spontaneously is what comes out of my heart. One of the best gauges I know of your spiritual life is when a crisis happens, what's the first thing you say? I remember I was in Mexico with Brother Larry Myers a number of years ago, and, and the, the car next to us, actually it's a big 18-wheeler truck, decided they wanted our lane. And the first thing out of my mouth was, Jesus, help us. It would have been easy, just as easy to say, oh. <laughs> out of the abundance of the heart. Sure it does. Anytime the need arises. But listen to this. The idea of praying all the time. Did you know that's in the Bible? 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it says, Pray continually or pray without ceasing. Whew. So that means if I'm going to be a Christian, that I can quit school, come on, that I can quit my job, and all I have to do, I don't have to cut the grass, all I have to do is pray. No, it's not what it means. Here's what it means. Stay connected to God throughout the day. Stay connected to God throughout the day and talk to God when you have opportunity or the need arises. What you're trying to do is you're simply uh, staying connected. When I was a young guy, we didn't have cell phones. And uh, here's how lovesick I was back then. I can remember seeing Linnell and, you know, I'm, I'm this little lovesick puppy and I go to her house, you know, or the parents and, and I tell her good night and I'll see you later. And I get in the car and as soon as I get to where I'm living and, and, and uh, uh, I get on the phone and call her back and we breathe on the phone for 30 minutes. You understand? <laughs> That's not today. In today's world, how many times do you text a day somebody you love? You're just always talking to them. You're communicating because you have a vehicle to do that. And that's what this sense, that's what God wants with us. He wants ongoing communication with us. You see, Christianity is not just a belief system. Christianity is a relationship with God. And how would your relationship with your spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend or parents be if you never talked to them and never saw them and never had anything to do with them? Same thing. So when do we pray? Anytime the need arises, all the time. This word, all the time, is from a Greek word that, that, that means like a hacking cough. How I many of you have got a cough that just won't, won't go away? I mean, you're, you, know, you get up in the morning. <coughs> I'll be okay. Give <coughs> me some water. You go to work, and your boss says, says uh, hey, uh, can you come over? Yeah. <coughs> I'll, be there. I'll be there in just a moment. And uh, you're sitting, you're talking on the phone, and who knows, your wife called. What time? We, you know, we're going to have dinner. We're going out tonight. Yeah, we're going <coughs> to. We're going to go out. This something on the inside is making you cough. 
And what the Bible is saying, the same something on the inside needs to make us stay connected to God. It's just something that starts on the inside. It's a desire. It's a heart. It's a relationship. But we stay connected and we pray all the time. And then, of course, back to my rap days, anytime, all the time in your quiet time. This quiet time, let me just underscore, I won't say much more about it, but Jesus had a daily time that he would go to spend with his Father. Mark 1.35, it was early in the morning for Jesus. Before daybreak the next day, Jesus went up, and he went up to an isolated place to pray. Now, let me add a couple more things to that in this section. When do we pray? I want to suggest that we need to pray before a big decision. I am shocked at how many Christians make big decisions. We buy cars, we change jobs, we sell houses, uh, we do all these big things, and after it's over, how many times do we say, I wish I never would have done that? I, I personally don't make a big decision until I pray about it and feel peace about it, until my wife feels good about it, and those people that are my spiritual covering that I have included in that to help cover me in prayer. Jesus did this, and I want you to think about it, Luke 6, 12. Jesus was the Son of God, but he still needed this. He went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Now, I've never done that. But he spent all night praying to God. He got up in the morning, he calls this group of disciples, and he chooses 12 and called them apostles. This big decision, he needed men that was going to take the cows of Christianity to go around the world. And now 3,000 years later, 2,000 years later, it is still going strong, stronger than it's ever been. And it started because he picked the right 11 people. But he also had to pray because he was going to pick Judas. Who one day that he would look at Judas and Judas would betray and take his life. Please, before you make big decisions in your life, before you're going to marry someone. See, here's what we do. We just have this strong feeling inside. and Nobody can talk me out of it. Don't you understand? This is the last of the 2017 model in, the, in America. It is the last of this color. It is the last one that has chrome wheels that spin on it. It is what I want. I have wanted this ever since I was in the third grade. Do you not understand? So don't tell me anything. I, I went in there and they told me I am the last one that's going to get a 3% a interest rate for 72 months. And you don't know how much money I'm going to say. And I don't want to hear it. And after a few weeks, you can't go to Dillard's and buy the sales, even when it's 25 off, 50% off, because you don't have any money, come on now, because the car, or, or that truck that got eight miles to the gallon, come on now, and now gas. But listen, it is a Ford F350 dually wagon up there. I mean, it is happening. Pray before you make a big decision, because your gut feel is not always right. Let me give you one more on this. Pray when the Holy Spirit prompts you to pray. Now, let me get a little deeper on this one, but this is a huge open door. Ephesians 6, 18, Paul said this, pray in the Spirit. Somehow, our prayers are to be connected to, guided by the Holy Spirit. Would it also be possible that if we can pray in the Spirit, that we could pray out of the Spirit? Sure. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions... This is all the time, all kinds of prayers. Now listen to this. With this in mind, praying in the Spirit, what does it say? Be alert. Be alert. Other translations say, watch and keep on praying for all God's people. What in the world is this talking about? The Holy Spirit knows that a chain is connected to God's big tractor, 
And the Holy Spirit knows needs and problems all around the world and in people's lives that we don't. Right now, the Holy Spirit knows the dynamics with America's next Supreme Court justice pick. All you and I can do is to read what commentators are saying right now. But my friend, that man or that woman that will be in the Supreme Court will set the course of this nation over the next 30 years. The Holy Spirit knows, and the Holy Spirit knows the need, and He often will look for a link in the chain to pray things through because in many occasions, God has limited Himself, His actions, to the prayers of God's people. Let me give you an example of something that just happened to me the other day, very, very practical. My little private prayer place, I, I, I walk around my driveway. It's a, I got a circle, it's about 75 yards, and I just walk and I pray. And I'm walking the other day, and I'm praying, I'm just seeking the Lord, and I'm quiet before the Lord. And God brought someone to my mind. And it was a mother and her son brought them to my mind, and I just started praying for them. And I didn't know really any details, but I started praying for them. And uh, I sent a text message, just something like, I don't know, uh, the Lord brought you to mind. I prayed for you today. Have a blessed day. Well, lo and behold, they were in the middle of an ongoing crisis I didn't know about. See, a lot of times when people are in crisis, they post it on Facebook or they send you a text message, and that's a good way to find out about it. But sometimes the Holy Spirit just tells someone. And I guarantee you that person felt better and stronger knowing that God was involved in their world when nobody else knew about it. Are you with me today? The prayer didn't make the problem go away, but what it did is I'm sure it gave the believer strength because somebody is listening to the Holy Spirit. So we'll talk more about the Holy Spirit prayers as we go. Let me wrap up this last part now before we close today. Why do we pray? Well, the first and most obvious one, we pray because we have needs. I suggest everyone pray. I would even suggest when an atheist is all alone and about to die, they're going to take the chance and pray too. Why not? People pray when we have needs. It is the number one reason, and it is not bad. Philippians 1.19, Paul said, I, he's in jail now, and he says, I know that as you pray for me, this will lead to my deliverance. I'm in jail. I want you praying for me, and your prayers are going to help me get out. Your prayers are going to be the link in the chain. It is not bad for, to pray for things. God is not too busy for you to pray for things. Just because you prayed once, listen, you keep on praying. We'll talk about the need for consistency. Jesus prayed in Gethsemane because he needed strength. He told us to pray for daily bread. Paul prayed for, for, for protection. And we're going to focus a lot on this because here is where something great can happen and here's where disappointment can happen. Because the greater our need is, typically the greater we're going to pray as a Christian. We might fast, we might sacrifice, we'll make confessions, we'll seek God, we'll do everything in our power to kind of amp it up. And now we're going to talk about answered prayer. I have a family that's here today that just lost a daughter, 20, I think two years of age, 21, 22 years of age, had two little kids, godly girl, prayed for her for months, and she opened her eyes yesterday while under hospice care at home smiled, and went home to be with Jesus. Now that helium balloon was up in the air for months praying. How do we understand as a Christian why that prayer wasn't answered? I've been there, you've been there. For many people, like that helium balloon I talked to you about, when it falls to the ground, we don't want to throw it back up there again because when we try, it doesn't go very high. We're going to explore that in this series, but don't you stop praying for needs. Just because you prayed for something yesterday and it didn't happen, we cannot let it stop us from us praying tomorrow. 
We have to have faith. We have to believe. Faith is like a drawbridge that invites God to come across. Faith is not a lever that forces God to act, but we welcome him through our prayer of faith. It is one of the greatest challenges. Sometimes you'll pray a prayer. You'll pray it. In a, I have prayed sometimes. I have a burden for my, 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 my father and my brother. They farm. They depend on rain. They don't have irrigation systems in place. And uh, uh, I, I know when they need rain. I can remember last year, it was one day, they were just complaining they needed rain. It was only 10% on the forecast. And I prayed real hard that day, and they got a great thunder shower storm that afternoon with a 10% and had been missing it with 80%. Are you with me? But yet at the same time, there's times, there's, there, there's uh, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth in the Bible, two godly people praying for a baby from their early 20s till they were 60, and it never came, and they, but they still didn't give up. So we'll talk about this as we pray for our needs. Here's another big one, and I, 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 for time's sake, I've got to go quick. The second big thing we pray, and this is where maturity comes in. Everybody prays when you're in trouble, but we want to be disciplined to pray to advance the kingdom of God. We want to pray with kingdom purpose. Ephesians 6:19, Paul said this, pray for me so when I speak, God can give me words so I can tell the secret of the good news. I, don't, I, want, us to, I want us to have deliberate prayer for ourselves and our family and our nation but equally or sometimes often more important, I want us to have great passion to pray for the kingdom of God and the advancement of it. That people would be saved. That miracles would happen. When you pray for those poor kids trapped in that cave in Thailand, pray for their safety and they'd get out. But also pray that somehow a testimony of Jesus Christ would come out of it. We've got to pray kingdom-minded. And let me, I'll close with this. I think arguably one of the greatest reasons we pray is to develop relationship with God. When I'm a young Christian, when I'm immature, I'm praying because I want God to do something. When I become a little more dedicated and growing, I pray because I care about the cause of Christ. But something's happened over the years. I have less of a prayer list and more of a desire just to be with God. I believe Jesus showed us this. Jesus had a miracle feeding. He fed 5,000 men, women, and children, probably a crowd of 20,000. After it's over, he didn't get an interview with the TV station. After it's over, he said, verse 23, he went up into the hills by himself. Now, he didn't tell us why, but I want to suggest to you, he didn't go because he had needs. He didn't go because of a failure. He just went because he wanted to spend some time with his Father in heaven. And prayer is the way that we can touch the unseen God and have relationship with him. I love my wife. We've been married 30 bunch for five years. She went to Dallas the other day, and as our worship team is coming, we're going to close. She went to Dallas the other day, take her, uh, her sister to the airport and take some, some family members back. But she also wanted to stop and see a missionary friend that was there in Denison, Mary Lou Myers in Mexico, which meant, though, that I'm out of the loop for a day and a half. But how many know in America today, out of sight's not out of mind? I texted her. Uh, Linnell was on a, 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 interviewed by Channel 6. And uh, it's on our Facebook page now, but about being a five-year cancer survivor and about her victory in Christ. And uh, I posted that, and I sent it to her, and the family was talking about it. And I, 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 I sent her a picture of, what are we doing? 
We don't need that yet. I sent her a picture of some big tomatoes, you know, that I grew in my garden. I told her that I loved her. Uh, she told me, she said, I'm driving home the next day and I'm tired. I said, stop, get some caffeine and, 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 and you take care of yourself. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying while she was away from me, I was communicating with her the whole time. And not because I had to and not because I wanted her to do something. It's because I love her. And this is the real, I think, thing about prayer. Prayer is a way for you to just spend time with God. Prayer is more than a list to talk to God about what you need, more than just what people need. But prayer is a time for you to just be still and know that He's God. Come on, to walk around, to look at His glory and say how great Thou art. Come on, give Him a big hand today. He's worth your praise. I'm going to ask you to do something with me now. We've got some people that are going to pray with us. We're going to take five minutes and then go home. But we're going to pray for some families right now, your family first. I'm going to ask you, if you're able, if you'd get on your knees with me just a second. And don't forget Wednesday night now. Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, 6.30, you get here and we'll be organized and have you out and about. We're going to go pray in our city. But right now, if you're physically able, we're just going to fall, as we call to fall, and pray for families. And I want you, for this first minute, I just want you to pray for your family. Any way you feel on your heart to pray, I want you to just pray for your family. And then after that, we've got several folks on the stage, and they're going to pray, and, and we'll agree with them. Hallelujah. Just close your eyes and shut your neighbor out and start praying for your family. If, if they're with you, your family, hold them by the hand. But we're just going to pray for one another. Right now, we want to lift up all the families in this room, dear Jesus. And right now, I want to lift up all the broken families that are hurting and that need healing, dear God. I pray that you put your, your hand in that and that you heal all of that. And right now, I want to lift up the marriages. Right now, dear Jesus, the ones that are dying or the ones that are close to the end and they think there's no way out, dear Jesus, I pray that you revive that and that you show them there is a way and you make that marriage stronger than it's ever been. And I want to pray for the families that have a wayward son or daughter and that you continue to give them hope and you continue to um, bless them and that you bring back that wayward son or, son or daughter. 
and that you make that family as strong as they've ever been. And I want to pray for the families that have recently gone through a situation, um, financial, whatever it is, and they think that, that, that there's no way out that you show them because you said that you are the I am, and you can show them that you have a way out and that there is a plan in Jesus' name. Lord God in heaven, we just come to you and say thank you, Lord God. Thank you for being who you are, Lord God, and thank you for making us, Lord. I pray for each and every household in here, Lord God. I rebuke the spirit of separation in Jesus' name, Lord God. I pray for peace in every household and reconciliation, Lord God. Reconnect us. Let us meet as strangers and find joy in learning each other again, Lord God. Help us to learn our parents and learn our children and love our spouses. Lord God, I, I ask that you forgive us. Forgive us for our selfish ways, Lord God. But as we bow today, we just submit ourselves unto you, Lord God. We ask that you help us to pray for one another, not who we want our family members to be, but who you need them to be, Lord God. Help us to know that we have power in our prayers, Lord God. We call on to you, Lord God, your will in our household. Your will be done, Lord God, and we say thank you. Thank you for peace. Thank you for strength. Thank you for acceptance, Lord God. Thank you for reconciliation, Lord God. And we just love you. We thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for restoration, Lord God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yes, Father, um, as a church, Lord, we need you. We need you so much. And I just ask that you would help us see that we need you, Lord. Lord, let the church know that we need you more than anything. Father, Jesus. He, he knew that he needed you in every step of his life, Father. So let us not learn to live without you, but, Lord, to know that we can do everything through you, but we can do nothing without you, Father. We need you in every part of our lives. Lord, I ask that you would just bring strength and joy in your love, Lord, because everything that we do is pointless if we don't do it in love, Lord, and everything that we do is pointless if we don't know who we're doing it for. So, Jesus, in our lives, we're supposed to represent you, Jesus, so let our lives represent you, Give us the strength to live the way that you would live, to love the way that you would live, to give the way that you would live, Father, so that everything that we do would glorify your name, that people would see your love, Lord, because if we don't do it, nobody else will. Nobody will know who you are if we can't show them, Jesus. So, Father, let us do it. I thank you for this revival that you're bringing, Lord. A lot of us have been praying for it for a long time, and I thank you that it's here. I thank you that it's coming, Lord. And I pray for my young people, my young 20s, my college-age kids. Lord, I ask that you would lift them up, Jesus. Oh, Lord, this is such a time when the devil's coming in and he's trying to distract and take away, Lord, and he's trying to steal. And I just pray against that in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you're lifting them up, that you're taking them away from that, Lord, that they would not be deceived by the devil, or that they would see you in a real way, Lord. Give us a true understanding of what it means to be loved by you and to love in you, to worship you, to know you in such a real way, Father. I just pray that over this room, Lord, that your love and your joy would be inside our hearts. Lord, that everything that we do would glorify you, that we would know you in such a real way, Lord, that nothing could bring us down, not death and not pain and not sickness, Lord, that your joy is so much stronger, that we were meant for so much more, that we would be living that every single day. To glorify your name, Jesus, is what we want. You are our desire and you are our heart, Lord. So let that be in us. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Now, Lord, we bless this church family. Thank you that we can call ourselves a family through you. And we bless the families in this house, Lord, that you'll make your face shine upon them. Be gracious and lift your countenance upon them and give them peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's stand to our feet.
Thank you, Jesus. You know, before we go, we're going to have our altar team come down. They're going to pray for any need you might have before you leave. We'll agree with that and see God do miracles. But the biggest question we got to ask before you leave, are you 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? Because this whole thing about prayer is about a relationship. And until you invite Christ in your life, uh, this is not going to really mean a whole lot. And that's where it starts. And so what we're going to do is there'll be somebody over at the cross. If you need to get right with God, if you never ask Christ into your life, because that's the, what we're talking about, having a personal relationship where you stop going your way and start following Christ. And he'll come in and change you from the inside out and give you a peace that you can't find in anything else. And so we'll pray with you to invite Christ into your life where you can be born again and experience uh, the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. So just meet us over at the cross, but altar team, come up right now. Pastor Zach's going to lead us through one more course and come up for prayer. If you need things, get things right or ask Christ in your life, come over to the cross, and Pastor Zach will dismiss you after that.